good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening, folks. Thank you very, very much for listening. Day today is the 28th of February, year of our Lord, 2023. Welcome to yet another edition of the Bunt and Cardigan Show, presented by The Athletic. I'm, of course, joined by the on-again, off-again man who wears the cardigan, James Edwards the third of The Athletic. James, on the final day of February, with all due respect, I know this is a Pistons podcast, but can we just spend 30 seconds on Damian Lillard scoring 71 Ow. points in a game? I mean, I, to be, I just want to... The throw ro- this out there. The for... Rockets are maybe the worst defensive team I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm assuming you're referencing the graphic that showed like yeah, all gonna... of the dudes who have gone off this year. You can read it if you can yeah. pull it up in front of you. Let me see if I can find. Um... But go ahead and do your spiel while I look it up. So what I was going to say was I didn't I didn't watch this game in real time. I box score watched at the end, and then I watched a super cut of it after. And the really quick note that I wanted to say was I saw Kevin Knox just had like a solid cardio day zeros is across the board. And then I realized the timeline of the Kevin Knox thing for me has been eight months ago, me being like, is Troy Weaver a bad GM? Cause he just signed my least favorite player in the NBA to Kevin Knox without him being on our team. Doesn't get us James Wiseman because he was in the deal. Now you could argue that any old bench player could have been thrown in at any moment and you know, we would have been able to make that deal happen. But Kevin Knox, thank you. You got Damian Lillard 71, and you got the Pistons' James Wiseman. So, good day. Yeah, I mean, I love how you want to spend 30 seconds on Dame Lillard, but it turned into 30 seconds on Kevin Knox. That's it's that's that's you. It's peak you. That did. I guess that did come off as, like, some hater behavior. It's all yeah. right. Haters going to hate. Go ahead. All right, these are the team. These are the players. These are the top performances against the Rockets this season. Dame Lillard, 71. Luka, 50. Laurie Markkinen, 49. John Morant, 49. LeBron, 48. Giannis, 44. Anthony Edwards, 44. Trey, 44. SGA, 42. Clay, 42. Clay, 41. Now, (laughs) that's terrible. But in Houston's defense, no pun intended. No pun intended. Nice. Like, those are all, like, the best players in the league. Yeah. But... Yeah, but it's one of those things. I was going off. I was on a Zoom, family Zoom the other day, and I was kind of going off about the league because, like, I don't mean to sound like a boomer or, like, lame, but doesn't it kind of – man, I'm off to a hater start yeah, in this, this episode. Bad. But, like, when you have transcendent guys, you know, walking around, there's, like, three of them in any game that you might watch, doesn't it just kind of take the luster out of all these performances that we're seeing? Because I love great basketball, and ultimately that's what we're seeing is just a ton, a historical amount of great basketball this season. And I would also say that the the idea that defense isn't being played, I think that's a lazy take. Yes. I think it's just the, sh- the shot-making ability is just off the charts, but it just makes it so hard to appreciate it. You know what I mean? When these dudes are just growing on trees now. Does that make sense? No, I agree with that. I think um, I think the, the scoring outpours are not as – um, as big of a deal as they once were. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many guys have scored 70 this year? Tw- two? Damon, two. Damon Donovan. And, and Donovan Mitchell, yeah. It's like in any other, like, there was a, when Devin Booker did it, his team lost, and there was a celebration. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> it's certainly um, lost its luster. I agree with that. Uh, but it, I think that is more of an indictment on how hard it is to play defense in this league, how advanced offense has become and how advanced players in general have become. So, um, I'm, I mean, I'm here for it. I like it. Obviously, I think there needs to be a little tightening of rules to help defense or maybe let's shorten the court, psych. But um, it's certainly – yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying. 
are you a proponent of like eliminating the corner three or is that a total goof on you or by you i don't know i wouldn't do that if i could just throw out one more thing that made me mad from the last week we just had the all-star game i get that it went two overtimes but combining for like 250 points in a single basketball game is not fun to me that's insane and like that first quarter that was the kings i don't remember who they were playing but it was the kings game it was De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. Kings and it was Clippers. Like a, Kings Clippers. 177, 174, whatever that ended up being. What in the world? What are we doing? What's going on? The All-Star game was like three days before that. I thought we kind of got that out of the way. Yeah, but we have to remember that there was a game in the 80s, Pistons involved, that had 180 points. No, I know. It was the Nuggets, right? Yeah, Pistons, Nuggets. Or was it 90s? 80s, 90s, one of those two. I think 80s, 86 or something. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not fun, but, like, there was elite shot making in that game. Um, I don't know. I think there's a way to, to tone it down a bit, but I also think the league, as much as people complain online, far more people are, uh, I think, enjoying it. And enjoying the it. younger generation, uh, the, 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 the guys and gals who are 17 and under are really, I think, taking a liking to the, the, the availability of, well, I don't know if that's the best word, but the plethora of talent that this league has to offer. Yeah, a lot of really great uh, social media breakout clips from every single game in, in a lot of these instances. So today is going to be a mailbag episode. Before we get to that, like two more things to cover. James, you got a story that you want to promote. Mock draft season. Uh, I If you're listening to this on Tuesday, on Monday, I dropped the first Piston-centric mock draft um, of the year with March Madness coming up. Um, overtime elites playoffs are, are in I think the swing of things are about to be Euro Cup is about to be in the final soon. Um, I thought this was a good time to kind of do the way too early first mock draft for the Pistons. And so I did four tankathon spins, four different scenarios. The Pistons did not land number one in any of those scenarios. Kids, I should have told you to plug your ears before, but too late now. Um, so, yeah, if you're trying to get familiar with names outside of Victor Wimbanyama, uh, give it a read. Check it out because I go into depth about why I think some of, who might make sense for Detroit at what pick um, and why they fit and things like that. So go ahead and check that out on The Athletic. Or if you want to learn more about guys that aren't Victor Wembanyama, you can also, through the same app, by the way, listen to last week's yes. uh, pod yes. when we jumped into a bunch of those dudes. Do both and at I, the I, same I, time. You, yeah, you could, theoretically. And I uh, allegedly jumped the gun on my Chris Murray propaganda. How did that Michigan State game go, James? How'd that go? Well, I wasn't th- I wasn't able to watch it, um, but that was shocking. I wonder to know the last time Michigan State scored 100 in regulation. Yeah, that was 100%. 100% agreed. I'd be curious. Uh, second thing, last thing before we get to the mailbag, I goofed on you before we, before we started today's episode. You're playing hooky, not in Charlotte taking a little rest, but I give you a lot of credit because this is only like the second road trip that you've not gone to, right? Uh, I would say a few more than that, but uh, yeah, no, I've, I've done a lot of road trips this year. So my question to you <clears throat> is, and I'm not saying that you were doing this to like disrespect Charlotte in any way, no. but what is the, what is the criteria, what is the criteria for like how you dictate what what games and and what road trips you are and are not going to go on yeah well number one is is it a one-off um yeah i I really don't do one-offs because i don't write a ton of game stories um i mean obviously i do if if a situation calls for it but uh i'll do one-offs like leading up to the deadline uh in january and february because you just never know what can happen 
but after that, it's kind of like, what's the point in me going to Charlotte on a Monday? Uh, the teams have a combined 34 wins. I'm glad I didn't go based on the Pistons injury report. Um, and yeah, it just doesn't, there's just not much sense. I've been on the road a lot the last few weeks. There's just no point. I won't be in Cleveland on Friday. They have a one-off in Cleveland on Friday. There's no point in going to that. Um, <clears throat> the big things that decide for me is, is like multiple day road trips. So I try to, if they're going to be gone for at least two days, I usually do those trips because they'll usually have, uh, or I mean, if they're gone two days, it's usually three days, but I usually try to go to road trips where they have at least one game and at least one or two practices and a shoot around just to get availability, to be able to talk to guys. It just makes sense. And, and guys are a little more um, less eager to, to be on the move on the road than they are at home because they don't have anywhere to go on the road. So you get, in my experience, I get better stuff on the road. So uh, as long as it's not a one-off, I'm usually going. Um, I'll be going on the trip at the end of March. But if it's a one-off past the past the All-Star break, past the trade deadline, it would have they would have to be a playoff team or in contention for me to to do that or Miami I wish I could I mean yeah I'd probably do the Miami yeah there yeah. it is yeah that's an interesting way to, to put it I've never really thought about it like when these dudes are on the road it's like well I might as well talk to James I don't have anything else to do that that sounds disrespectful you know how I mean no that. no but I mean like in the locker room home games like they got families yeah like yeah. they have their homes 10, 5, 20 minutes away, like, they want to get home most of the time. Like, obviously, there are guys that are lingering it's often, but they're a little bit more relaxed. They're likely to get more shots up. They're likely to take their time to get dressed. They just – they take a team bus from the arena back and forth, so it's like they can't really go until everybody's ready to go, you know. There's just not as yeah. big of a rush. Do you want to spend a quick two minutes, if that, before we get to the mailbag today? Um Jaden Ivey and Marvin Bagley were playing super, super aggressively against Toronto, and I had a, an unbelievable amount of fun watching them both play. I think it might have been the most fun I've had watching that duo play all year. Well, Bagley hasn't really played, but yeah. Well, right. Um, yeah, I thought Ivey was much better, and I thought he was really good. I thought he was good in Toronto, but I thought he was better against Orlando. Uh, he was. I wrote that story afterward where it's just like kind of this, the beauty of time and letting guys figure it out and just his assist his playmaking um the development you see in the mid-range from three like he's getting better month by month um and with that being said check out the mock draft because i talk about what happens if the pistons get number two so check that out um and then marvin just came back like he didn't miss a beat uh dominating the raptors on the glass finishing doing what he does left hand finishes um i think that was the first time even though they lost i think that was kind of the first time you see the vision with having the big guys and having multiple big guys to use. Uh, Toronto struggled to score inside. They struggled on the glass. I think the Pistons got it tied a season high for 62 rebounds, and that was without Duran. Um, and I think Isaiah only played a, two quarters because he left the game with an injury. Um, defensively, I, you just see what length does. And even though they may not necessarily block shots, just being there as disruptors uh, goes a long way. Uh, they held the Raptors. They lost. They lost the game, but still held the Raptors to under under 100 points. And in today's NBA, as we talked about earlier, that is hard to do. Uh, I remember I was talking to Dwayne the other day. I was like, in today's like with the scoring output now, like, are you fine if a team scores 110? He's like, yeah. If the team scored 110 a couple of years ago, you were furious. Now it's like that's the new 100. Um, it's just crazy how how that is. Which kind of ties into what we were talking about at the top of this, honestly. 
with just the, the sheer talent that's in yeah. the league right now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It was, the shot creation and shot making is as good as it's ever been. So, yeah, shout out to Marvin. Uh, good return. Didn't look like he missed a beat. He obviously he hurt his hand, so he was able to stay in shape and stuff, but there's still difference between running on the treadmill and riding the bike and, and playing in a basketball game, but he looked like he didn't. He uh, he had been on his P's and Q's when it comes to that. So uh, he was really, really good. And the next day at practice, Dwayne kind of – he made the joke he always talks about. He's like, well, Marvin tell, told on himself he got 18 rebounds. There's no reason he can't do something similar to that more regularly. So yeah, he set the bar high. Let's see what he does in Charlotte. Um, well, you, you'll know what he does in Charlotte by the time you're listening to this, but uh, let's see if he can carry that over. The most shocking thing about watching that game, final note, is I was watching the Raptors broadcast, and the color commentator had a really hard time figuring out how to pronounce Duran. And then when the play-by-play guy gave him confirmation, he was still skeptical. He was like, all right, like right, I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to roll with Duran. But he was like sure that it was Duran or something. Duran, so Duran. That was pretty Oh, really quick. Baffling. Uh, not only... Does Isaiah's livers dunk is certainly the best Pistons dunk this season. There's no yes. question about that. That was vicious yep. on Yakupotl. Sneaky contender for top five dunk in the whole NBA. That had everything you want. Cutting, getting downhill, jumping from a distance, throwing it down over a big guy, uh hand touching rim. It wasn't like a the Blake Griffin Dwight Howard toss in. Like he he yeah, yeah, yammed yeah. it. Everything you want in a poster dunk, it had force, uh, excitement, time score situation. I think that's up there for it. I'd have to go back and look, but I think that's a top five dunk this year. Yeah, as long as you're not saying that it was the best, I think I I would probably agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to think about it. I didn't want to say that, and then I remembered somebody yammed on somebody. I'm like, oh, all right. But, yeah, I'm going to say it's a top five. It's a top five. uh, poster of the year so far jaw had one earlier this year that i think may have been number one you mentioned this and you mentioned the idea of somebody being a sneaky good or whatever at something i had a segment that we were gonna do today uh i i started writing it up during the raptors game and while without going into the context of what the segment was supposed to be or anything it it led to this take because precious achua also had a, a great dunk in that game and here's what i wrote and so did Isaiah precious achua. yeah yes Precious, precious, I can't say this. There's too many C's and He's, H's. I hate watching him play, by the way. Go ahead. Precious Achua is a flyer. Full Philadelphia. One of those sneaky Jeff Green potential guys for posters well into his 30s. Maybe I'm crazy. Thoughts? You like that take? Um, I, I, I think you're crazy because you took notes on Pistons Raptors in, in late February. About, well, because, about hold on, Achua, okay, yeah. I guess it'll make sense if I just explain why I did that. The segment was called, because I'm not on the internet anymore, I don't tweet things, but you used to like my tweets. So the, the, the segment was called, Would James Like the Tweet? And I just wrote down observations oh, like throughout that. the game. That's, a good, that's And fun. like things that I, right, things that I would have tweeted had I still been online and would have, and then I was going to read you each statement and you would tell me if you would have liked the tweet or not. So would you have liked that Precious Achua tweet? No, because I don't like Precious Achua, but uh, can we play that next week? Maybe. All right. I'll have to make sure that there's actually some good ones. I'll just say the, the I only had one other one before I ditched the segment because I was like, this is only funny because I'm on Saturn right now. Um, <laughs> I wrote, Hamadou Diallo, holy smokes, his arms are toasters. 
toasters. Didn't like that one. What are like toasters? Like you, what you put pop tarts in and bagels? I kept trying to make that happen like a year ago. Whenever a dude was like on fire, when he like couldn't miss, yeah, or when he you know was, he went on a tear, I was like, his arms are toasters, and it just never stuck. That's, People just didn't that's like it. That's funnier said than than read. I think it's the other way around. His arms are toasters. I just, I just, I would initially think you're talking about like the size of his arms. I just didn't. Wow. I With Amadou Diallo, I'd say his arms are, his shoulders are about the width of an average toaster. Your perception of Fun. Amadou Diallo's Fun. physique is <laughs> shocking. Fun media day concept. Throw some toasters next to some dude's arms. To, well, Jalen Duran would have the biggest. He would be the closest to a toaster, probably. To- what the hell are we to- talking I don't about? Know. Ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna jump big. into we're gonna jump into the mailbag this week, but before we do that, we're gonna take a quick break. Take a word from a sponsor. Alrighty, James, do you wanna start this mailbag off with a one hundred and five mile an hour Joel Zamaya fastball? I mean, do I have a choice? I, I think it's a good question to start All right, with. Alright, let's do it. Hey guys, thank you for doing these mailbags. Question. The young core has not yet shown that they know how to win basketball games. So why should fans believe that a free agent or another rookie from this upcoming class are going to help this team take a step to competing for a play-in spot next season, even with Cade coming back? Um, I mean, that's kind of just like the story of, of evolution. OKC hadn't shown to win with their guys, and they're on the fringe of the play-in. Um, mm-hmm. It's the power of having a top 20 player in the league which the, obviously Pistons fans hope Cade can be that or, or somebody else, but Cade is the most likely. Um, yeah, I think it's it's maturity. You learn to win games. They're going, I think, I know it's hard to tell now, but like they've been, they've had a lot of nail biters as of late. I shouldn't say a lot, but they've had a few nail biters as of late. They're Honestly, the only thing that's been holding them back from a couple wins the last few weeks is just mind-boggling turnovers. Um, yeah they've cleaned up a lot of stuff i think they've looked better defensively in, in spurts so yeah I get, I get what you're saying but i think that's just kind of the nature of, of the nba uh, steph curry and the warriors didn't know how to win until they started winning um same with, well until his ankle stopped getting sprained well that too yeah but they weren't yeah they uh they they were a team in flux for a little bit same with the bucks it just kind of happens naturally i think that's just it's just how things go as long as you get talented players those Warriors Clippers series back when the Clippers had their number every year in the whether it was like Christmas Day or the playoffs or something those were the days like when they weren't the Warriors yet when you're when you're what, what you're talking about right now when they hadn't figured it out yet and they hadn't gotten over that hump yeah I, you know you, Monte you, Ellis Steph Curry backcourt days yeah 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 you think about um, when like Steve Blake was there or you think about when the Bucks were you know losing to Toronto and I guess it's different because we're also talking about a team that they're only losing these playoff series in like a semi-deep playoff run. You know what I mean? We're still waiting to get to the playoffs. So I guess maybe those are I, those are tough yeah, examples but, for me to dive into. But, but. I've, we've talked about my tweet for a while. Like it, the Warriors didn't make the playoffs till like Steph's fourth year or have a 500 record till then. Same with the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Phoenix was Phoenix didn't learn how to win until they hit the bubble and then they won eight in a row and haven't looked back since. Like it's just sometimes it just takes sometimes it just clicks. And uh, obviously Detroit is hoping it clicks sometime between now and and the start of next season. Next question. Huge fan of the show. Thank you. 
and have listened since day one and look forward to every episode. My question is, we should get like you know a. Um, sorry to interrupt you. We should get like a for those. Don't roll your eyes. We should listen. We should get a uh, like a a sounder for people who say they listen since day one. Like bing. Like a. Ooh, I got something for that. We can we we can debut it in the next episode. I have the perfect right. uh, gimmick for it. Cool. Don't so roll your back eyes. to the question. Don't roll your eyes at me. That was rude. We know that 2023 is supposed to be the summer where Troy and his team take a big step forward. But what does a potential summer for the Pistons look like? I do not see many star free agents, especially defensive forwards, which the Pistons lack. If the Pistons do not get the number one pick, is trading their pick and quote unquote stuff unquote for a real player to put next to Cade a possibility or even Ivy and quote unquote stuff if we get number two and draft scoot and James since I feel like you've kind of had to hammer this one home for a while can I give a quick take on this and you can just say you know whatever you think about it please I think it's what we've talked about especially in the last few weeks where one of the questions that we got a lot for this mailbag was it was something to the effect of will the Pistons entertain the idea of trading whatever pick they end up getting first of all because this is a few part question here my first take on that is like the NBA just isn't really a league that moves around those top picks that often. You know what I mean? And in a, and especially in a year like this, I just think that the the ransom that it would require probably just isn't really going to fit the bill for most teams. And so because of that, you know, people are like, what's the best player you can go get for number two? I don't know. Could you, could you get Jalen Brown if you know that Scoot Henderson is going to Boston? I don't know. But that's not really the conversation here. Because kind of is. I think – it, it is and it isn't because I think the real strategy here would be do the draft, do whatever you're going to do in the draft, let it play out how you want it to play out and then see what the remainder is. Right. So if you end up with Scoot Henderson and you're thinking, well, now we kind of have a log jam on both ends of the floor, right in the in the four or five spot and then in like the one two spot, we just got a lot of guys here. So you just look at the remainder of whatever you have or I mean, you could just do the Brandon Miller thing, which. We did get a few questions about that. Do you want to? Do we want to make a statement, or do we want to just let that one play out? What's going on? Uh, about his? No, we don't. Yeah, we don't make a statement on Brandon Miller. But, yeah. Well, I just mean because we we established are, ourselves as, as a Brandon, Brandon Miller, Miller pod a week the, ago. On, we are a Brandon Miller on the court podcast. Yes. Okay. Cool. We'll roll with that. Right. So the odds are that you're going to end up with a player that kind of leaves a few guys in the weeds here. So the free agency part of this is tough because they're right. It's like Jeremy Grant, great, love it, love that idea. But other than that, it doesn't really seem like a ton of guys, especially these defensive specialists. I'll just throw this in. I won't read the question, but a, a beautiful emailer did throw out the name Grant Williams. Does that appease you at all? Uh, it sounds like Grant wants to get paid. I, I wouldn't pay Grant $20 million a year. But we're going to pay Jeremy Grant like 25? Yes. Yeah, that make I guess, <sighs> 5 million in difference for a guy who scores a lot and defends. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm wrong. And isn't but it, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm a little scatterbrained here, but am I kind of on the right on the right path? Um, that you just I love you, but I would say no. I would say no. I would say no. To which part? Like to what of to all of it? Yeah, almost all of it. Um okay. I'll tell you why. I think if they get number two, not only do I think is there a serious internal discussion between Scoot and Brandon, but I think if they land on Brandon Miller, they trade back, get stuff, and still get Brandon Miller. 
You forgot about that one, yes. You're very excited, but you're mouthing instead of... I'm mouthing it because I don't want to be vulgar, but heck yes, dude. So I, th- I think that is a possibility. I think there's a possibility if they really, really, really like Scoot, take Scoot. Jaden is looking really good, and teams like Jaden be- a, a year ago, so mm-hmm. they probably like him even more now. See what that gets you if you want. Or, like you said, maybe just take Scoot and just figure it out. Uh, but I certainly think that if the Pistons land two, I think there is a there will be a serious discussion about moving it. And I also would say, and don't please don't aggregate that. That's just my feeling. I haven't I haven't talked to anybody about that. It's just my feeling based on the situation. Them having still owing a first round pick, like they need to maybe recruit, re- add another first or two or three, like recoup some stuff. Um. And I think that that's a way to do it. If you believe in Ivy, at the end of the day, it's if, if you believe in Ivy, I think there's going to be a lot more chatter, assuming Brandon Miller stays out of trouble out, off the court. I think there's going to be a lot more chatter from here on out about Miller going too. I think there, I think there's going to be more chatter. I think the Victor stuff's going to happen, but like you know how every year like it's like, we all think this guy's number one and then it like gets going and it's like, Oh, this guy could be number one. This guy could be number one. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to happen mm-hmm. with number two this year. So with that said, I think that there is a world in which Detroit trades their pick if it's not number one. And I will also say um, when it comes to cap space, I think people should remember again that cap space just doesn't mean free agents. You can utilize the cap space to, to take on contracts and trades and, and things of that sort. So, uh, there are options. I just they're gonna have to do some wizardry, and I think at the end of the day, their life becomes a lot easier if they land pick one or two. Um, I would say actually one, two, or three. And if it's anything after three, uh, I think you have to really hope that that Cade comes back and is the man next year. The gears are kind of spinning here. Maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe I need some WD forty or something. <laughs> but if I'm Phoenix. I just traded for Kevin Durant. I just took on a lot of money. God, that Chris Paul contract, God, that's a lot of money. That Devin Booker contract, God, that's a lot of money. That Aiton contract, God, that's a lot of money. Do I look at Detroit, who just drafted Victor Wembanyama? No, no, no. It wouldn't be Victor Wembanyama. It would be the remainder of Scoot, Cam Whitmore, uh, Brandon Miller, whoever it ends up being. And I see, like, Marvin Bagley's playing pretty well. Do you cut costs? Detroit has the money to do it. Do you go get DeAndre Aiton? What do you think? No, not the eight. Why not? Because they already have three centers. <laughs> like, they don't need, like, another eight type. Like, I'd rather just have – like, I'm not trying – like, I wasn't trying to make that – like, I'd rather have – for the price, I'd rather just see what Wiseman and Duran are. You know what I mean? Like, if you're, talking about Devin Book, if you're talking about Devin Booker, yeah, you have that conversation. But Phoenix just traded for Kevin Durant. They're not trading Devin Booker. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking because I thought the Aiden piece was – it's the same thing. I was watching the Toronto game, and I'm looking at OG Ananobi shooting free throws. I'm like, God, you're still there? How did that happen? I'm looking at DeAndre Aiden like, you're still there? If you get pick three – actually, let's let's do this. You get pick two. You're doing a tankathon spin? No. Let's say you get pick two. Okay. Would you trade pick two for Mikel Bridges an extra first or two? And another player. Where can I can I cherry pick where the firsts are coming from? Because I would rather have the Houston ones. 
like that they own. Let me see what the picks. Wait, no, 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 no. They. I'm sorry. I'm, I have that reversed. Uh, Houston owns Brooklyn's first. That's what it is. Yeah. And the you if you look at the ones that they have, I feel like it's like Phoenix picks aren't going to be that great. But you're getting Mikel just, Bridges. No, 100%. 100%. I don't need to fixate on where the – you're right. And you have extra picks for, to trade. I would do it for Mikel and two firsts, yeah. Not one, though. It has to be at least two. All right. Because that's the – isn't that the question? Is like if you are crazy enough of a GM, right, and you really want to put it all on the table and make your stamp, make your mark on the draft and your franchise, and you even consider shopping that first pick – like, does it have to be, like, a Rudy Gobert-type deal? I don't think it would be, what was it, like, five first? I don't think it would be as many picks, but it's going to be a lot of picks, right? Yeah, assuming everybody uh, views Shea in that light. Or, not Shea, what the hell? Scoot. Shea, what the hell? Scoot, scoot in that light. Um, no, 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 I'm talking about number one. So, Victor. Oh, Victor's not getting traded. No, he's trading. No, 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 no. And that's what I'm saying is, like, you can't trade the first pick. But let's just... Assume I mean, that you, you can, could shop I that guess. pick. I mean, you can. That's what, it's just a matter of, like, uh, the, what what's the haul? Like, there's a haul that I would do it. That's what I'm I asking. I just don't know what it is. I just know I would know it if I saw it. Is it Rudy Gobert? That 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 no, package, bigger, not Rudy Gobert himself, but the, you think it's worth like what six first round picks? And because we yeah. can't have it both ways. We can't yeah, have can. it both ways. No, we can't because we can't be talking about how we're worried about Victor Wembanyama because, like, are we sure? Like, are we sure about the weight? I know you all saw that that Nobody's Jonas Valanciunas, Stephen Adams type putting his ass in the basket the other day. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So we can't be concerned about him in all these ways and be just as a you and me. I'm talking no, about I, you I and know me, what you're not saying, anybody else. But we're also saying that every team who has number one is taking him. So it's not like the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, he's going number one, regardless of who's picking him. Um, they're going to roll the dice. I think because of the co- lack of – he'll be on a rookie deal, which Gobert wasn't. Yeah. He's potential to be as good as Gobert defensively, but freaking maybe KD on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say that. That's disrespectful to KD, but a – Yes, that's not true, but yeah, you're a, right. a, a A hybrid forward big on offense. I think you definitely get more than what – Utah got for Gobert, no question. I wouldn't settle for anything less. I just can't really wrap my head around that because I kind of thought we already reset the trade market. But let's move on to another question. Uh, This was one of those I I told you there was a a lot of questions that were kind of in the same vein, so I'm just going to kind of boil it together. Um, Let's spend five minutes speculating about coaching stuff, okay? Because if there's anything that I like to do on this show, it's setting precedence, right? Like, when we did our trade deadline primer, I was like, James, can we just set a precedent for people out there that if the Pistons do make a trade this year, meaning that week for the for the deadline, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be for something that like we don't really care about. And like it's not going to be that fun. That ended up not being true at all. So I'm 0 for 1 so far. But let me just set a precedent here that I feel like when the Pistons do officially um, amicably part ways with Dwayne Casey, whether it's at the end of this year or probably at the end of next year when his contract is up and he assumes that cozy front office position and people are looking at all the names that are on the market, doesn't it just kind of feel like that it's going to end up being one of those things where they go with like the Rex Calamian of the world? You know what I mean? Like that guy that's not like Atlanta just got Quinn Snyder. And in any other year, if it was any other Detroit sports team, I would maybe feel some type of way about that. Like a big name going off the board, a guy who was a proven winner in the regular season in the NBA. 
right? I would be like, that's the guy that I want coaching my team. But I just don't really have this expectation that Brad Stevens is walking through that door or like, you know, a guy like Quinn Snyder. Like, I just feel like it's going to be one of those, you know, end of the bench, well, front of the bench guys, similar to if Ben Johnson, Lions OC, had taken a head coaching position this year, it's kind of the new kid on the block. And uh, if you know, you know, guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like a like it's like Jordan Brink will probably get an interview. Right. And I hope he gets the job. That's who I would be rooting for, of course. But. Is that where you think it's heading, that it's going to be for a name that we may not be totally familiar with? Um, good question, and these are the culmination of questions asked. Is that what you're saying from the mail, from readers or Yeah, listeners? just a lot, of, um, a lot of coaching questions, yeah, so I figured we can just spend five minutes on it. I think a name that kind of fits what you're saying is Charles Lee from Milwaukee. Um, he has been a front-of-bench guy for Bud for a while, youngish. Um, I think he's interviewed for a couple jobs. I think he interviewed for the Atlanta job. I think that's somebody that is certainly going to be on the radar when and if that time comes. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think it depends. It also kind of just depends on where the team is. Like if assuming Dwayne yeah. starts next season as the head coach and this team makes the playoffs and surprises some people, like maybe you either keep Dwayne or continue to have a veteran coach. You know what I mean? Like if they're showing that they're they're about there, uh, maybe yeah. that changes things. Um, but in terms of just like the profile of coach, I think, yeah, like somebody like Charles Lee, youngish, um, has experience with under successful organizations. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to pluck maybe from college. I've said maybe they make calls about Jay Wright, see what he's up to. Um, Jawan Howard, uh, if his kids are gone by the time Dwayne, um, hangs it up, um, who else is a name? Maybe your, your, your buddy, Sean Sweeney. Oh my God. I'd lose my mind. Oh my God. Season tickets. Are you kidding me? Sean Sweeney is the head coach. <laughs> I was in the, you know what? If we want to talk about one of those, like sort of front of the bench guys that finally got a job and spent like three years interviewing. I mean, you mentioned Charles Lee being a, a Budenholzer guy. Darvin Ham was a coach that for a while I was like, I could really get on board with that and, and get on board with him as my coach. What about like you draft Brandon Miller? What if you poach Nate Oates? No. What do you think about? No. Uh, what has he done? What's, what's his deal? I don't know. Well, um, well, the, what his handling of this current situation hasn't been great. It's been weird. It's definitely been confusing. And I'd also just know stuff uh, in terms of people who have had interactions with him um, that is just not, uh, I don't think, in line with the Pistons organization. Um, So I'll just leave it at that. Does Tom Crean still have a job? I think Georgia fired him, actually, a while ago. You are sick. You want to get Izzo, too? Respectfully, no. No. I remember, though, I remember watching, I am old enough to remember watching Big Ten Network when he had a press conference where he was like, I am not taking the Cavs job. Yeah. I remember that. He said he almost left for Atlanta, the Cavs, and I think there was one more team he almost left for. Well, I thought it was the Cavs twice. It probably was the Cavs twice, but I know Atlanta was, he almost went to Atlanta too a few years ago. My brain is so big right now. I just realized this. I'm sure everybody was able to piece this together at the time, Dan but I was Gilbert. like 10. It's because of Dan Gilbert. Whoa. Yes. Yeah, everyone's sitting in their cars everybody, in traffic on the way to work. Like, I think everybody older than you already <laughs> knew that. 
So you just helped out at your age and younger, yes. I was thinking about, um, I'm not going to go on a Keith Nickel rant right now. What do you say we get to the next question, James? <laughs> I got a Keith Nickel spiel that I've been waiting to get off for like a few days now. I've been, I've been thinking about talking to you about it. Let's wait till the um, end. We can get your Keith Nickel sure. thing off, yeah. So this one's a little more long-winded. I think it's a fun question, though. It's a little less like quote-unquote serious, but it pertains to uh, your job, James. Bring it. Cool. Jabroni. Hi, Nick and James. OG listener and lifelong Piston fan from London, Ontario here. Ooh, I have a question ooh. about miscellaneous skills. Allow me to unpack. As part of my work, I take people's IDs and essentially guess how to pronounce their name every day. Being a lifelong fan of the NBA, I am elite at correctly guessing the pronunciation of names from other cultures. Spanish names, Lithuanian, Polish, French, Nigerian. At least a couple times a month, I get a remark like, that's the first time somebody's ever said my name right on the first try. Excuse my small flex. I bet he, oh, I bet he works for customs. Excuse. He either works for customs or he has a or he has his own liquor store. I guess if he's on if he's in Ontario, he he definitely might. It is literally only decades of knowing NBA. It, wait, how do I read this? It is literally only from small decades. I can't read this. It is literally only from decades of knowing NBA rosters and having to pronounce names like Valanchunas or I don't know how to pronounce this one or Jerebko, Wembenyama, Diakite that I am really, really good at. I'm curious if your time covering, covering or just admiring the NBA has given either of y'all any miscellaneous life skills that you'd like to disclose to the people. Really struggled to read that one. Sorry about that, everybody. You got any weird skills that the NBA covering the nba has given you how are you with names that's a good question um yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty good it took me a while i have more issue like typing it names out like i used to just call Sfee Sfee, but i can say my mm-hmm. hi, I, but i can say my hi luke um i got really good at spelling that at his name his full name his government name i just got lazy oh sviatslav <laughs> sviatslav yeah I just used to copy and paste my Luke into tweets and stuff. Uh, it was just I didn't bother even trying to figure out how to spell it, but I could pronounce I, it. I'm loving the honesty. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, I I couldn't. I don't know how many eyes and why. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, I always tell young journalists this, and I guess it's not necessarily like a sneaky trait, but it's I think if not the most important trait you need to have, but the second most important trait you need to have to do this job is like you have to be able to. You have to be able to like relate to people, man, and be a people person, mm-hmm. and uh, be able to hold conversations and things like that. Like you have to really be a people person. Uh, you can't be. It forces you to come out of your shell. You, you can't be shy and do this job well. So your superpower, your special talent, is that you're a really good guy. What the fuck? That, what do you mean? I'm not. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying. <laughs> Sounds awesome. You got to be How able to. That? You got to be able to hold conversations with people, even if it means looking something up about a player and like asking them about it or a play in a game just to like build that relationship and rapport. And, uh, sometimes you have small talk conversations, make them worthwhile. Like it's just, you have to really, you're around these guys so much and you ask them personal questions. You get to, I mean, heck you're in many instances, you're around like their families and stuff. Like it is a, uh, it's a people business for sure at at the end of the day. And I, you have to be able to hold conversations. I think that goes a long way, but like, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like random. What you're telling people is to get in their Nardwar, Nardwar bag. Yeah. Do some that's digging, a good one. learn something about somebody. That's a good you know one. I mean? Yeah. And be able to hold a conversation. The, that's good. The Nardwar bag. I, I think I've gotten pretty good at uh, name pronunciation. The last player that I can vividly remember, like having trouble with was actually Seku. 
because there was because at the time that he got drafted, people were saying it 10 different ways, both his first and his last name. So I didn't really know. And I remember I was like the correspondent, the Pistons correspondent for an ESPN radio station in Ohio. And there was like a three week span where they would have me on once a week to like chop it up about the Pistons. And I still have the tape of it. And it's really cringy to go back and listen to because I kept calling after we, after the draft happened. I kept calling him Siku. And to hear myself doing that uh, is really, really cringe. But since then, I've been good at it. Wembenyama's not that hard. When have you had to say, when's the last time you had to say Seku's name? I type it a lot these days. That's... I don't I don't say it verbally. But as far as um, yeah. skills that I've picked up from actually watching the league, I, I don't know that I really have any. Because the only like weird, unique skill that I can think of that would pertain to this in any way doesn't have anything to do with basketball and it's really weird so i it's a great question i just don't really have an answer off the top yeah, of my head i don't either if i think of something i'll i'll come back but um yeah it's that's a that's a good question i'll have to think about it a little bit mine is um just for posterity i can feel when a tv is on i can be anywhere in the house anywhere in the apartment if you put me in a two-story house put me as far away from the tv as you can turn the volume all the way down i can tell you if the tv is on or i off. can do it's that a, it's, I, I, I can do that too that's a. I think that's more like a. Um, I think there is. Is that just a thing? I think there's something to that. Yeah. I think. Oh. Like an energy. Don't thing. tell me that. Don't tell me that because I don't want people. I don't. I don't want those emails being like, oh, I could do that too, because then I won't feel special. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I always felt I, I was. Like, I always felt I was alone with that, but. It's just us. It's only you and me on this that's podcast. That's why we were brought to together. That's why we do it. Okay. Next question. Let's just keep this one simple. What is your dream starting five, for next season? Now, for you. James, you don't really, and I don't mean this like you don't care, but you don't care because you're going to cover the team either way. So I guess maybe this one's more for me, no? Yeah, you can answer it, and then I'll, uh, and then I will um, give one that I think could be super intriguing. Are we going to work with the, are we going to work under the assumption they got Victor in this? Are we going to work under the assumption? I'm not. Oh, you're not? Okay, go ahead. That's not my dream lineup. Okay, talk your shit. I'm going to go Cade, Scoot. Bogey, Jeremy Duran, and then on the bench you have Ivy, Karras, Isaiah. These the stew things weird because I don't. And it's mainly a, a keeping him in the second unit, so that way your bench is insane thing. It's interchangeable with him and Duran. I don't really want him playing the five anyways, so that's why I put Jalen Duran at the five because then you have insane size in your starting five. Which Isaiah are you start? Which Isaiah on the bench? Both. Well, both of course. Oh, okay. Because I didn't say them in the starting five, so both of them. But I didn't know if you were gonna. I didn't know if Livers would make your. He would be the three okay. in the second unit. So you're right? so and Burks. Is, you would traded be the two. Burks. You traded Burks. Yeah, remember he's getting the. Uh, what did I say a few weeks ago that we're trading him for like the forty second pick in the draft oh, or something? Okay. All right. This is yeah. yours. This is your. This is your fapping scenario. Yeah. Okay. Go so ahead. wait, what is that bench then? So Ivy's. Okay, Ivy Karras. You just got rid of Killian. Your your French connection shirt's gone. Oh my god! Like that's, I hate this that's question. Like you gotta um, finish it. Can I change the starting five? Can I change yeah, that we go we ahead. didn't? Okay, cool, cool, cool. So we're gonna instead go. No, I can't because this is what I want to happen. Truthfully, this is what I want to happen. But then you don't get to keep R.J. Hampton, which I've kind of wanted to ask you a question about R.J. Hampton on the show so please don't let me forget to do that all right yeah let's hear your 10 
let's just start from the top again. I'm sorry, everybody. So you would have Cade, Scoot, Bogey, Jeremy, Duran. That's five. Jaden Ivey. I have to kick out Karis LeVert. Killian Hayes. No. Karis LeVert. Isaiah Livers. Isaiah Stewart. And then Bagley or Wiseman. Take your pick. Okay. There's your 10. So Burks is still gone. Uh, Burks is gone for... Well, you said we need more picks. We're stuck in the cupboard with second-round picks. All right. Um, I think the most intriguing and most enticing would be Cade, Ivy, Wimbenyama, Stewart, Durham. You're crazy. And you just go, you go big. Wimby's a gonna Wimby's gonna be a three four. Yeah, what do you put him on all NBA? What does he get? I don't mean to get him ahead of myself forward. here. I'd be like, do you think so? Similar to like Porzingis, I think he's a he's a forward, not a center. Easily, my biggest problem with the NBA right now well, is yeah, this annoying. facade, this this illusion that positions are still real when they haven't been for like three years. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But I would go. Yeah, Wimby, Stu, Duran, front court. You assume Stu and Wimby can space the floor. Um, Stu's shown playmaking chops. Ivy's gotten better. Obviously, Cade is Cade. You just go big, and it kind of covers up some deficiencies for Ivy defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be, assuming Wimby is what we think, yeah, I would go with that. And then off the bench, um, <sighs> Anthony Black, somehow we facilitate a trade where you're able to get your guy. Do you want to plant your flag right now? I'm an Anthony Black fan. He's He might just be tall Ricky Rubio, but I'm a fan. Ricky Rubio's like played Dyson a long Daniels time. Daniels 2.0. Similar. Tyson Daniels with a better jumper. Yeah, his jumper's kind of gross. But, the Dan- I mean, Daniels isn't great either. But And then off the bench, yeah, a form of Livers, Wiseman, Bagley, Burks, Bogey. Burks, Bo- good- Burks bogey, Burks runs point, or I Burks bogey, Livers, <laughs> Wiseman Bagley. I'm still I'm still hooked on the Wembenyama thing. Do you mind if I ask you my my R J Hampton question? I just don't want to forget this. Yeah, and I think ahead. it could be I think it could be important. Is there anything to watch with that? Is there any world where R J Hampton plays well enough that he carves out a legitimate role on this team? And and he's only got like 20 games to do it. It's not a lot of time. Who knows where the minutes are going to come from? But is there a chance that we're looking at next season as like RJ Hampton is like a ninth guy? Yes. Do you want to elaborate or do you just want to leave it? I mean, you can leave we it can, no, we can elaborate. I mean, if Corey comes back, it's going to be as an end of bench like vet guy, not mm-hmm. a rotation guy. Um, Killian has stopped making shots again. Inexplicably. So... Uh, if this continues, and I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe if if RJ's really if RJ's really really good to end this season, and Killian is not, probably a conversation to be had. So yeah, I could absolutely uh, I could get on board with that. I was telling you that um, it was one of my favorite things that that Troy has done. I think just unanimously, this is like a pro fan move. 
everybody wanted RJ Hampton in the draft. And at this point, it's like it didn't really work in Denver. Well, it's not that it didn't work in Denver. It was that he got traded for Aaron Gordon. And then the Orlando thing, it's like, yeah, that didn't really work. But, you know, if nothing else, the fans loved him. He's a really good locker room guy. Like, like capital P, bolded, italicized, underlined professional. So, by all accounts, I, I, you really lose nothing by this. It's it's only a win-win. I really am, am, am excited to keep watching him play. Yeah, they gave up nothing for him. Yeah, there's a question that I, I apologize because I can't find what the actual question is. So I apologize to the person who wrote it in. I'm still going to read it to you from memory, and this is how we can we can end the mailbag. What do you think, James? Let's do it. They had said something to the effect of, they, I seem to remember James mentioning that he sold off his entire record collection. Have you started to rebuild it at all? No, I have not. Um that was tough to do. That was tough to do. But let me break it down like this. Like this is it was years and years of collecting primarily like 90s and hip hop today. A lot of jazz and uh, and R and R&B and then like Bossa Nova Brazil. Like those are my favorite. Those are my favorite. When I sold off my record collection, I kept my 10 favorite albums. But and I won't say the number on here, but the number that I was offered for the entire collection was too good to pass up. And it's like, uh, as much as I love the aesthetic of listening to records and, and checking out the centerfolds and the stuff that it comes with, and just the art part of it too, I just for seven months of the year, I'm just like never home enough to like really just like throw on like it would. The most of the time I would throw on a record would be like. I finally have free time on Sunday morning and we're cleaning up the house. Yeah. Um, or like 100%. late night writing and I throw something on, but it's just like, it's 2023 as much as I love the records. Like I can have every, I have everything on my phone and for the number offered, I will just get rid of them and clear up some space and have shoe money. So, yeah, but you don't get that crackle. Yeah, no, I you know, know that, it's tough. That vinyl crackle. It's no, it's a your, thing. It's a thing. I, I think that my my favorite one that I own in terms of like um, the vinyl aesthetic itself, right? Not like what my actual favorite album is. Well, <laughs> up there, anyways. It's in the top like three or five. My Watch the Throne record, because the the like vinyl itself it is like bl- it's like orange, oh. like blood orange. It's incredible. Yeah. Love it so much. My, my favorite one that I own uh, is a an EP from the Japanese House. Which is like the probably the the best the best um, individual artist of our generation. I'll ask this: you can you can give us your your album this week by saying what record you miss the most from that collection. That's that's tough because like, what do you mean by miss? Like, I can still listen to it current. Like, I I have the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like the you know you talk about how you the like flipping through and looking yeah. at all the yeah yeah yeah. It's a great question. Um, cause some of those I'm sure were like originals, not like even re-releases. Yeah. Like the, the most, the, I have two originals. Uh, my brother got me, which, Hey, we never happy belated birthday to Matthew. We never, uh, re- relayed an official birthday message happy to bu- my brother on the podcast, belated, Matthew. but he got me for Christmas a few years ago, an original, uh, Toto record that felt great. Like the and then, Dorothy's dog. No, like the amazing band, one of the best bands of all time. Oh. And and then I have uh, Michael Jackson Off the Wall, the original. There you go. A little, yeah. a little soul in you. Um, uh, well, for, can I make two picks, like an actual pick I want people to check out, and then I'll do the record one? 
Sure. All right. So I've been on a we and we talked about. It, I've been on a house. I'm always on a house kick, but like because you've been on a house kick for five years. Yeah. What do you mean? I mean, I've been on. Yeah. Check out Larry Hurd's album "Love's Arrival." Absolutely phenomenal. If you like house slash R and B vibe, house like fire. Larry Hurd. Love's Arrival. My favorite song mm. is, uh, sorry, Praise, track one. But the whole thing's a banger. Um, and then the album that I miss. So you know Bobby Caldwell, What You Won't Do For Love? Yeah. So I, most of my albums were LPs. So it was the whole album. But I had the seven inch of that. First of all, one of my favorite songs of all time. Didn't know Bobby Caldwell was white until like five years ago. Thought he was a brother. He's white. Um, yeah, the dude who sings "What You Won't Do for Love" is white. Just killed it. Huh? And I was shocked. Yeah, definitely thought he was like brother <laughs> from Detroit for sure. No, he's like a white dude from Kansas. I don't know. Zero melanin. Wow. None. That's in like his album covers. It has like a shadow, so you don't know. Smart <laughs> marketing though. Smart marketing because if you hear the the song back then, you hear the song. There's no internet to go look them up, but you just see the shadow. And you're like, oh, this. If if you're a, maybe African American consumer, like, oh, this dude's one of us. Like he's fire. And then it's not until you go see the show, you're like, oh, <laughs> this is a cover band. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Yeah. And then you already well, he already earned your, earned your respect because he's got. He's got the, uh, what do they call him? Not chops. He's got chops. He's got chops. It's funny because even in that you mentioned how it's like, well, we don't have the internet. Dude, we have the internet. People didn't know for like a year after he blew up that Jack Harlow was white. I remember that being a huge really? thing. You could, People were like, I could tell he was white. That's crazy. It's interesting. Uh, but anyway, new, go ahead. That new Yeet album. How about that? Never even heard of Yeet. You don't know Yeet? I don't know. I don't know Yeet. I know Skeet Ball. Yeah, I mean, that's cool, but Yeet, man. Rap? Rock? What is it? Yeet is like an experimental rapper, but like what he makes is like, I don't mean to sound like a total Zoomer and like just talk about Yeet the way that everybody else does, but he takes all the musical risks that you as an artist would want to take, but you're like, there's literally, I'm not, I can't do this. This would be, this is just going to sound stupid, but he just does it, man. Sure. He just does it. He's got great, like, um, like ADHD brain music. Let me Google him. Yeet. Yeah. Uh, he's like 20. He's like a kid. He's awesome. But what I was uh, saying about the Bobby Caldwell is that seven inch came heart shaped and red. It was really cool. Ooh. Yeah, I found that. I feel like Yeet, he's a rapper. R-E-E-T? No, Y-E-A-T. Y? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeet. Like Yeet. Oh, I see him. Is he from yeah. Is he from London? No, he's American. Dude, it's not even... Here's the thing is UK rap, and I don't even just mean drill, but he's drill is Portland. great. Yeah, he's a, he's a great dude. Oh, but U- UK rap is like my favorite thing, dude. It doesn't even have to be drill. It's just all so good. They actually rap. That's the thing. And the coolest thing is the words that they get away with saying that makes that like that sound cool. Like they say "darling" all the time, <laughs> but it sounds cool. You know what I mean? My favorite thing that they say, and it's, I mean, it's very vulgar, and I would, it, but when they um, they talk a lot about shanking. 
in oh. UK rap, but it's like, what's the word that they use? Not poker, but uh, sticking. Sticking. There's another word that I'm. Are you talking about like the Central C video where he was like freestyling and giving a bunch of slang? Because that was great. A lot of UK rappers like they'll say, uh, not poking or stick. Like it's like a very. UK, I can't think of it right now, off the top of my head. But there's like I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way they say. Hold on. UK rap. Eh, let's hold on. Uh, I just typed in UK rap stabbing slain. <laughs> slain. <laughs> uh, Put on a list. Gosh, I can't. It's going to bother me, and I'm going to remember it as soon as I can. But, yeah, let's not spend too much time on the slang word for stabbing. But there's the way they do say things, yes, there is a cool, there is a cool little... Uh, sound to it it definitely hits do you did you find any like when you were in france and you were speaking french did you try to put a little inflection on it a little zest you know i thought i, mean? I was i thought i was and then every time i went to this i went to the same cafe every day and i had like my my parlez-vous uh parlez-vous anglais hold on i had my my standard thing because i was told you got to try to at least speak french and they'll be able to right. and they'll respect you um, so my, let me tell you guys, I don't know if I said this on the pod. Let me tell you guys. You did, but you can say it again. Okay. Every time I went somewhere in Paris, bonjour, désolé, parlez-vous anglais. Hey, sorry, do you speak English? To, hey, sorry, do you where speak Where are English? the snails? <laughs> Facts. <laughs> where are the Newports? Um, <laughs> and I, I guess I, I guess I didn't do it well enough because... Like the second day, the same chick was at the cafe. I don't know if she was hitting on me or not. Wish, wish she was. Um, she was bad. She was beautiful. Um, make sure my door's closed. She <laughs> laughed as soon as I said it. But she's like, yes, I, they understood what I said. But Yeah. Yeah, that was the one thing I was always really nervous about because when, um, when I was in high school, I took Spanish really seriously. It's like the only class that I took really seriously. I love Spanish. And I was supposed to, for my senior year, I was supposed to be an AP Spanish. And during that, you go to like, I don't remember if it's like Costa Rica or like the Dominican Republic. I don't remember where it is that we were supposed to go for like a class trip. Um, but the entire purpose was to like, you know, go out in the shit and, and use the language and speak with locals and like, you know, really use all the tools that we've given you. And then I dropped out and didn't get to do that. But the one thing that I was always really nervous about was the inflection, because like, I don't want to sound like I'm trying too hard when I'm speaking Spanish, but I also don't want to sound like an American. Like, I don't want it to be an Americanized, yeah, you know, a, version of Spanish. There's a you line know? you have to walk or you, you hope to walk. Not that you have to walk, but you hope to walk. You hope to, yeah, you hope to not insult them, but still not sound too American. I watched, a, I spent like two hours a day for like a month trying to learn Ukrainian. And let me tell you something, dude. It's like the hardest. I don't understand it. Like this, I don't get it. And then I was also told, I was reading an article because I was like, what are the easiest languages for an English, uh, a native English speaking person to learn? And they were like Swedish, hands down. And then I looked into it a little bit, did some research. No shot. No shot. That's easy. It looked really, really hard. There are a lot of syllables. And then like Welsh was another one that I was like, what are all these vowels? What's going on here, guys? Yeah, it's weird. Like when you go to other countries and you hear them speak fluently, you're like, "Gosh, I have." First of all, it just sounds like they're saying nothing, nothing, just gibberish. But then it's like, I feel like our language, and again, it's because I'm born into it, is super easy. 
It's so hard. It's so hard to learn English. Two, two, two. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's wild. Things like that. Yeah. There are so many double entendres and, like, different ways to with to use verbiage. And English is a really tough language, and it it's obviously just natural to us. I'm not going to say it's the hardest because I don't even think that's true. But it is hard. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely hard. It is. This took a weird turn, James. Such is life here at the Bunny Cardigan Show. That's what we I do. guess I'll save my Keith Nichols spiel for next week when we have him on the show. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this Dropped on Apple Podcasts, I don't even know if he's doing like he kind of took that route that everybody takes when they're out of the when that their league dreams don't work. Was he working? He's at, like a work at Enterprise Rent a Car. Close, so that's a good one. So, so like car salesman is one of them. Or, What's another one? Uh, ins- like in uh. Insurance, not insurance, but uh, like a financial advisor. Yeah, or like a United Wholesale Mortgage. There's another really big one. Maybe that's what it. Well, you said mortgage, so I'm assuming I was gonna say realtor is the other big one. Is it? I thought is it that was what more, that I is. It was more like they sell insurance. Well, there's a few big ones. Yeah, but yeah, I think Keith Nichols doing like all five of those things. It's weird. <laughs> I haven't thought about Keith Nichols in long. Yeah, save it for next week. Give people a reason to come back. All the time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars, leave a review, subscribe if you're feeling generous. If you're listening to this on Spotify, you can also leave five stars. We will catch you guys in the next one. Peace.